This program is being monitored by Spirit for quality purposes. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans-denominational podcast. Everyone is welcome and safe here no matter what your faith is or isn't. Hello, my name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained trans-denominational minister, director of Oblates Perpetual Light, a shamanic light worker specializing in intuitive quantum and angelic healing, a studying Kabbalist, and life coach. I firmly believe that the divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we'll explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. So, be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Bless you and enjoy the show. Well, hello, my dear brothers and sisters. Welcome to the show. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are well and blessed. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. It is an honor and a great blessing to have you among us. I sincerely hope and pray that you find everything that you're searching for in a podcast here with us and more, especially since it's a faith-based podcast. And if you're returning infinite thanks, blessings beyond blessings and love for all of your love support, uh, and literally everything, folks, for being here is because of you that this show is here. So before we begin, let us hold a disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed by the host, moi, are solely, which I mean that literally, mine. Any and all content provided is my opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. I always recommend that you, the listener, further investigate, contemplate, and meditate on everything that is shared. ISEs, individual soul experiences, will vary. Listening discretion is advised. I've had some people ask, you know, Angel, why why do you roll the disclaimer? We we get where you're coming from. And I first, thank you. Thank you all so very much. I greatly, I beyond greatly appreciate that and love each and every one of you. Thank you. Um, but it's just something that spirit has nudged me to start doing. And I I don't argue with spirit. If spirit uh you know directs me to do something, I do it. And it makes sense because of the information that I am offering and sharing, um, it is um, very important that people know that it's coming from me personally. It's coming from me spiritually um, and that they should. You know, again, this for most of us, especially as old timers, this is common sense. Uh, but in a day and age where that is lacking uh, a lot, um, it, I have to list a disclaimer just to protect myself. Because the last thing I would want is for someone to do something or, you know, Lord forbid, harm themselves or someone else doing something that they believe I said or something that they think that they heard me say. 
and I know I, I don't ever cover anything like that on the show, but people um, can misinterpret things so many ways, so many ways. And I want to make sure that everything that is possible can be done. And spirit does as well. That's why spirit wanted me to do this. Um, that everything that can be done to safeguard the show is done because um, spirit, the creator, I, I'm sure you do as well, want the show to be around for as long as possible. So it is important that we keep all of our ducks in a row and make sure that our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted. So speaking of crossing T's and dotting I's, what are we talking about today? The big F word. No, <laughs> not that one. The other one, fear. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> so yeah, fear, which is worse than the other word. Um, yeah. Um, I so hope and pray you all were able to listen to last week's show because last week's show is kind of a prequel to this show. Um, if you haven't, please pause here, go back, listen to last week's show. It wasn't very long. Uh, check that out and then come back to this show. Um, this show we're going to get into um, all, well, not all, as many as we can as far as aspects and variances and levels of fear and why, you know, why do we have all of this fear? Um, not only personally, but uh in our society, in our culture, in our nation, in our world, uh, fear is is literally everywhere. You know, look, just look at the hate, the hate in the world. That comes from fear. Hate comes from fear. Hate is a byproduct of fear. So if we can get to the root of fear and understand it and maybe better control it through our understanding, then maybe that will help with a lot of the hate, a lot of our prejudices, a lot of our judging, because judging comes from that as well. Judging comes from fear. You know, you, you fear what someone else is doing and you lash out, you know, because you don't understand what they are doing. So in your heart and mind, or maybe just more so in your mind, um, you look at that as that's something wrong and um, judge it, attack it, um, you know, slander it, et cetera, and so on. So before we begin in, get into all the vegan meat and potatoes of fear, I would like to share as briefly as possible, if spirit allows me, because spirit tends to run uh, like it did last week. And my apologies, folks, uh, that that to me, that episode was a bit scattered, but um, and I thought about redoing it, um, but Spirit was like, you better not. <laughs> so, it, you know, it was mostly 99% Spirit in that show. So, um, you know, Spirit tends to uh, come through kind of gargled like that um, and a little bit all over the place. And the important thing is, is if you haven't listened to that show, Go back and listen to it, but listen to it from your heart. Feel, feel the message. Um, if you listen to it from a feel zone, um, you're going to understand it and get much, much more from it. You know, and, and before we get going, we might as well just say, do the same with this one. <laughs> do the same with all, my, all the podcasts. 
So again, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. I want to give you all a little bit of history on my relationship with fear. I was introduced to fear at a very young age. Um, if memory serves me correctly, it was uh, age five. Uh, and, you know, we when you're a child, you know, you fear the thing under your bed and, um, you know, the thing in your closet or the sound that, you know, that you don't, can't identify because we're so young and we're new and our minds don't know, our human minds don't know all of these things yet. So, you know, of course it's scary because, you know, fear is a big part of our humanness, our humanity. It's the big part of the fight or flight. It's to it's meant to protect us, to keep us away from harm. But all too often, um, as children, we are exposed and to different things. Um, you know, you all are familiar with the boogeyman when, when you were a child. You know, the boogeyman under the bed, the boogeyman in the closet. Well, for me, the boogeyman was my father, um, which was actually uh, is actually a human physical being. Um, yes, there is spirit in there. I, you know, I don't think, uh, I believe that the spirit that was managing him most back in those days uh, was definitely um, something very dark. Um, and yes, he was raised in, in a way that was very abusive as well. And being a young parent, I mean, he was 21. My mother was 20 when they had me. Uh, so they were very young, very young folks. So they didn't quite, um, you know, get the whole adult thing yet either. They were still learning, right? So, um, yeah, so for me, the boogeyman was my father because um, he would come after me. He would attack me. He would, you know, beat me. Um, I remember, vividly remember, um, and if, you know, I, I, I guess I should say right now, disclaimers, if any of you have been um, abused as a child, this will contain triggers. So if you want to fast forward, um, say about a half an hour, you should be well past this or just fast forward through until you get to the end of the historical thing here. Uh, but anyway, he, you know, I would originally try to run. Okay. And I thought if I could run and hide he wouldn't be able to find me. And I vividly remember um, we had these bunk beds because my brother and I would uh, sleep on the bunk beds. And I would dive under the, I remember one time, diving under the bunk bed and getting into the bedroom, which was on the first floor at that time, getting into the bedroom before he could get to me. And I dove under the bed slid all the way back against the wall with my back as flat against the wall as I could being just whisper quiet. You could, couldn't hear me and I'll be dog if he didn't know. And that's the thing about him. He always knew. He knew exactly where I was. And next thing I know, this arm is reaching up under the bed and grabbing a hold of me and pulling me, yanking me from the back all the way through the front, and it was one of those beds that had the um, kind of wiry, not springs, but it had like a mesh of springs. They were flat. They weren't the, uh, you know, springy springs. They were just kind of a flat box spring kind of thing. Um, metal, and it just scraped the tar out of me as he pulled me out, and 
um, I got a beating worse than if I would have just stood there. So from that point on, I realized that if beatings were about to commence, that I was to stand and take it um, for as long as I could. Because if you tried to run, um, it would just make things worse. Um, also, when my brother became of an age to be beaten, um, I would do my best to, you know, because oftentimes there were double beatings, you know, um, it'd be me and my brother. And I would do my best to um, get in line first, to uh, stand and take as much uh, of the beating as I could to in hopes um, that it would wear him out to where when I dropped, couldn't take any more um, that my brother wouldn't have to take as much. Um, I don't know if that worked or not. I, I pray with all my heart and mind that it did. Um, I know my brother is very messed up over it. He has a lot of issues. And I had a lot of issues for a long, long, long time as well. Um, but I'm, I'm so very blessed to have been able to work through that. But um, so, yeah, that was my introduction uh, to fear. Um, because, yeah, it's it's straight out of a scary movie when the monster's coming for you and the monster gets a hold of you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack <laughs> way back then when I was little, really. Um, but, you know, no, no booze, no booze for dad. Um, he and I have since made amends. And so has he and my brother. Um, he's not that person anymore. And that's something we all have to realize is that we, we all change. We all have the, um, the opportunity to grow, to change, to evolve, to ascend. Um, and, and he has, he's, he's worked through a lot of his things and he's apologized for a lot of his things. And, um, you know, he's, he's a decent guy now. He really is. Um, um, he's definitely nothing nothing nowhere near like he was so please no no booze and jeers or sending curses in nature faiths don't send any curses his way please send blessings send peace send love to him so when you're conditioned by fear like that at a very young age um your whole view in life is quite different than other people who have not experienced that. Um, your fear bar is really high, really high. I mean, it takes a lot to strike fear into you. I remember bullies in school um, didn't phase me. Um, I had no problem um, defending myself. They didn't scare me because I was thinking and feeling um, they couldn't do anything worse to me than my dad did. They couldn't beat me more than my dad did. And if I could take a beating from my dad, I could definitely take a beating from a kid my age or a couple of years older. Right. So, I mean, I know that's an odd and weird way to look at it. But when you're that age, when you're a kid, you you do what you can to um, to adjust, to adapt, to live, to survive. And that's what it was for you know several years was a survival game um to to try to you know not be around when he was around and you know when those uh beatings came to you know do your best to stand and and take it and uh take as much as you could um 
but again, moving on in, in my life, um, you know, in 1992, I began working a security job um, at a hotel, which is, uh, was, excuse me, one of the largest hotels in the tri-state area. Uh, it was the biggest hotel in Ohio, Kentucky, in Indiana. It was in Ohio. It was in Cincinnati. Uh, it had 872 rooms. It is now a vacant lot. It, it, it was destroyed uh, back in um, the beginning of 2020. Yeah, 2020. January of 2020 is when they started demolition on it. Um, but I was there for 25 years. Uh, I started off in security. Um, you know, when I started off there, um, the homeless situation was really bad. Uh, because uh, it was at that time that the government was shutting down a lot of um, mental hospitals and mental homes, and they didn't have anywhere to put these people. They just turned them loose into the streets. Um, so these people were mostly people who were mentally, um, had mental issues. Uh, a lot of people turned to drugs or drug addicts, and, um, you know, it was every night. You know, somebody wanted to fight and, you know, just wouldn't leave. You know, when you say, look, I'm sorry, you're not a guest here. You need to leave. They just w immediately would jump up and, and start swinging on you. And, um, you know, that was rough. That was rough. And then there got to be a law point for a few years where that kind of diminished um, a bit. But then, um, you know, I ended up moving up in the hotel to the uh, night hotel manager, and then later on, night hotel manager and director of security. And, you know, it was really rough there the last 10 years at that place because the company was struggling financially, um, not the company as a whole, uh, because it was a, it's a world-known company. Uh, but the, you know, the corporate office did not want to put any more money in a hotel and they were trying to squeeze a dime out of a penny. And so, you know, they refused to fix things, renovate things. So everybody there uh, was on staff were amazing people and everybody did everything they could to, to literally not just keep things going, but to take care of the guests and try to make the experience as, as best as possible uh, with what we had, you know, so a lot of it was, you know, staff going above and beyond to try to wow people, um, wow the guests. So, you know, things like, you know, a stain on the carpet or a smudge on the wall or something like that um, or a tear in the linen um, was kind of overlooked because, you know, they were getting such exceptional service. So then you fast forward to um, the recession. When the recession hit, um, it was really, really bad. Um, they definitely, business was bad. So the rates went down and we became the only hotel um, in the area and that would accept cash. So if you factor in low rates and cash, accepting cash, you get a different clientele. You get a different type of guest. You get guests that are uh, drug dealers, drug addicts, prostitutes. And you have to remember, 872 rooms. So it was nothing for us to be sold out and have over 4,000 people 
in the hotel at one given time. That's a city. That's a small town right there. In the things that I experienced at that hotel, everybody always said, you know, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I was like, it would have to go under fiction because no one, no one would believe it. The things that I've experienced and seen, I've seen people killed. I've seen people die. I've seen people come back to life. I've assisted in helping bring people back to life. And I've assisted in trying to bring people back to life when they just would not come back to life. Um, and everything in between. In the last five years, there were really, really horrible. I wore a bulletproof vest because I was threatened multiple times each night. My life was threatened. Um, people would come in um, out of their mind on drugs, threatening uh, staff. And when I would step in to intervene, which was my job, um, to get heat again. Does this sound familiar? Taking the beating so the other person doesn't have to. You know, I, I would step in to take the heat off the person, the staff member that they were um, attacking or venting on, and um, take it upon myself. And, um, you know, it was truly, truly a horrible Horrible experience, really it was. And people would always ask, well, why do you stay there? Why don't you leave? Well, you know, um, where I was, as far as I had worked my way up, um, as far as salary goes, just by being there as long as I had. Uh, and I was making decent money uh, to the point to where, you know, uh, Haven was able to stay home. Um, she worked from home a lot, but... Um, she was able to be home and raise our son. And to me, that was very important. Um, but yeah, it, it got to the point to where we were getting rumors that it was going to close. I had an opportunity to go to another hotel, which is a much nicer hotel, higher scale hotel, um, smaller hotel with only 234 rooms. Um, and things are much different, much different. It's, it's day, it's, day and night. You can't even compare um, the two, you know, at, at all. Um, so again, that is, you know, my background and experience with fear and my heart condition and issue um, being by myself when I was told that, you know, you've got uh, stage three acute congestive heart failure and you need open heart surgery and you might not survive it. Uh, a really good chance that you won't survive it um, and being by myself and receiving that information. Um, I think I was really more in shock than, than frightened on that because um, I had learned long before not to fear death, um, that there was nothing to fear with death. Um, if I, anything, death is actually a solace uh, because it actually, it, most times you know, we are suffering so badly when death comes and it relieves us of that suffering. Not that I'm, I'm not in a hurry, <laughs> not in a hurry. Hey, I just beat congestive heart failure. Um, so I am not uh, looking forward to going anywhere anytime soon. We've got more podcasts to do for Christ's sake. <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you the following announcement. 
of hands, if an old man, and I'm pointing at myself here, <laughs> who is obsessed and addicted to reading, studying, contemplation, you name it, on stories, books of all types of genres, told you that he, moi, pointing at myself again, just told you, which I'm telling you now, read the greatest story of his lifetime, would you be interested? Okay, if you're raising your hand, keep your hand up. The book is called Movie Score, a screenplay by Joey Andolini. I'll have a link in the show description. This is such an amazing off-the-charts book. I cannot recommend it enough or say enough great things about it. Here's a very small synopsis of the book. Imagine having movie music to guide you through life. It happened to Insignificant Dave and changed his course of his life. Now, I'm not going to give any spoilers. But this book is very much like what we talk about here on the show, about what happens to us or what can happen to us and our lives and all of those around us. How does it affect them? When we quiet our mind and focus on our hearts and listen to our heart and spirit and just surrender to it and do what it says. This book covers that in spades. It is beyond incredible but beyond fantastical, beyond phenomenal. And Joey is just a beyond incredible, amazingly talented writer. Now, this book is in screenplay format, which means it is ready to go into production for a movie. And Joey's working very hard at trying to make that happen. Now, once you read the book, I know you're going to be right by my side, screaming and yelling with your hands in the air like you do care that this gets turned into a movie because it would be a smash, a total and complete hit. So where can you get this amazing, truly amazing, fantastic book? It's available at Amazon.com and also Barnes & Noble Books. On Amazon, the paperback is $9.99. The Kindle version, which is digital, is $2.99. And if you have a Kindle subscription, Amazon shows that it is free. So, hey, you can't be free, can you? And after you read the book, please, please, please go back to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or both and leave a review on this book. It will help get it out to the public so more and more people can read it. More and more people can fall in love with it. More and more people can help support us and Joey in making this a movie. Also, one more thing and I'll shut up, I promise. <laughs> Share this, please, folks. After you read it, I know you're going to want to. Share it with as many people as you possibly can. Tell them about it. Friends, relatives, hey, we have the holidays coming up. Purchase the paperback. It would make an incredible, everlasting gift in someone's life. So that is merely one aspect of fear. There's so many levels and, and shades and shapes and sizes of fear. Um, so let's let's move on um, now that we got the history lesson out of the way. And I know I'm not bragging, boasting anything. I was just sharing, folks. And I know all of you, all of you have had equal or even greater as far as worse fear experiences than I have. Um, and bless you. Bless you all for being survivors. And I so hope and pray with all my heart, spirit, soul, mind that you have taken that um, abuse, that energy, that hurt, and have turned it into something to 
move you, propel you, to power you, to do bigger, better, to be bigger, better, and to take care of yourself, to love yourself. Because that is one of the biggest things with abuse is you have no self-worth because you're always told that you're not worth anything and you're treated and abused and um, as if you have no worth. Um, so I know that's very difficult, very difficult to overcome. So those of you, if you need help in that area, please don't hesitate to seek out a health professional. If you want someone just to talk to person to person, I'd be more than happy to speak with you. I'm a life coach as well as a spiritual coach. I'm also here to do healing. If you want some healing, I'd be more than happy to do that with you as well. My contact information at the end of the show, at the end of every show. So we'll begin with a really generic um, definition from Webster's Dictionary on what fear is. Uh, so Webster's Dictionary says, fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Yeah. Or it can also be an instance of this emotion or a state marked by this emotion. Doesn't really help us out much, does it? But uh, you all know um, what fear is and you've all experienced it to some degree. Whether it be somebody jumping out at a haunted house and scaring you, being on a roller coaster and hanging on to the friend next to you and digging your nails into them for dear life as you scream, um, or an abuse situation, which I so and pray um, there's not many of you out there listening that have had to endure that. Uh, so again, fear. The Bible speaks of fear, specifically fearing the Lord. It says, fear the Lord. Those three words, fear the Lord. Over 300 times in the Bible. In the Quran, it's over 100 times. We've all been taught, fear God, fear God. So when you are, say, even as an adult, but especially when you're a child, and you have some type of religion in you, and you are taught to fear God, you feel that you can't turn to the creator because you're afraid. And if you're dealing with the boogeyman, why would you, okay, see how big the boogeyman is and how powerful the boogeyman is. God is infinitely more powerful than the boogeyman. So why would you turn to, why would you bother the creator? You know, the, these are things that I thought of when I was a child. Why would I even bother him? Because I can barely survive the wrath of this human monster, let alone there's absolutely nothing I could do against God. God could snap its fingers, if it had fingers, and I would be dust that quick. So, you know, I learned to deal and to lay as low as I possibly could. So we've all been through this. This is like one of the biggest things that people have uh, with organized religion is that we've all been taught to fear God. Now, this is going to blow your mind, folks. If not, it should blow your mind. The word fear used in the Bible is a mistranslation. Or I shouldn't really say mistranslation. It's an, it's an intentional 
mistranslation. Because the Old Testament, where a lot of the fear, fear God, fear the Lord is in, was originally written in Hebrew. The word that they used in Hebrew for fear was yara, Y-I-R-A-H. You can look this up, Google it, yara. Yara transfers, not transfers, <laughs> translates to respect, reverence, and worship. So when they say, you will yara the Lord, it means you will respect the Lord. You will revere the Lord, have reverence for the Lord, worship the Lord, not fear. So over 300 times, over 300 passages in the Bible, over 100 passages in the Quran, and other sacred texts do it as well. And people might say, why? Why are they doing this? Well, because fear controls. If you have someone in fear, you have complete control over them. If your children are afraid of you, they're going to walk on eggshells around you. They're going to bow down and worship you. They're going to do everything they can to make sure you're happy 100% of the time. And they're never intentionally ever going to do anything that's going to cross you because they know what will happen to them. Does this sound familiar? Churches have done this for thousands of years. Thousands of years. They want you to go to them. They want to be the ones in control of you, your family, your finances, because they want your money. They need your money. Um, and if there is an issue, you can't go got to God directly. You have to go to them. You have to go to a priest. You have to go to a pastor. You have to go to um, a mosque, to a synagogue, and, and, and ask or pay and ask someone who is a human just like you to absolve you from your sins, to absolve you from your wrongdoings, uh, your mistakes, your accidents, misfortunes. And this goes on and on and on. And if you want to know how big of a business it is, um, just as one example, look at the Vatican. It's a huge business. The Vatican is actually its own designated country. Yeah. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's all about, all over the course of history. You see with all of the holy wars, again, all fear. You know, this is my religion and your religion is, is not the religion. My religion is the religion. And people being told by bishops and priests and I shouldn't say priests, by bishops and, and popes and other, you know, faiths as well. You know, the Muslim faith to, to go, go to war, go and kill, go and take, go and pillage, go and rape. 
that other faith because they are lower than low. They are worse than worse because they're not your faith. And it wasn't the people, the followers that decided to do this. It was the higher-ups that dictated this. They gave the orders. If you want to uh, be anything in life, you will do this. The Knights Templar. I don't know if you all know this about the Knights. Um, a lot of them went to war because they were told by the Pope and their delegates that if you go to war for us and you win, when you come back, you will not only be absolved of all of your sins, your family and your family's bloodline will be absolved of all of its sins, and your future generations will be absolved of any sins they could possibly do. Now remember, these are humans, fellow human beings. These aren't extraterrestrial beings. These aren't angels. This isn't God. This isn't Jesus. This isn't Allah. This isn't Muhammad. This isn't Buddha. This isn't anyone other than regular, everyday human beings dressed in the fancies and dictating and pulling the strings of the puppets that they controlled. They control by fear. They still do. Governments control by fear. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the repercussion. And so we live just surrounded by fear all the time in some way, shape, or form. And we wonder why some people have such huge complexes that are afraid to go out, to do anything, why they are so afraid, especially the older we get. The older we get, the more fear comes in because we just don't know. If we walk out the door, if we're going to get COVID again, and this will be the time that's going to do us in, or, you know, some crazed person's going to hit me with their car or shoot me or who knows? You know, th these are the times that we live in. <laughs> now, Angel, I always knew I could count on you for a pep talk. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but no, folks, I'm not, I, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom. There is a bright side to this. Believe it or not, there is. Um, we did a show, um, season five, episode 20 it was a season finale, uh, Faith, Trust and Surrender. If you haven't heard that show, please, please, please go check that show out. It really does an amazing job at um, you know, showing us what the creator is in control of, which is literally everything and helping us to realize that. And that is how we need to combat fear, how to work with fear, because Fear is just going to be a part of our human existence because it is, again, part of the fight or flight. And there are a lot of times that fear saves us, that it, it keeps us from harm, that it keeps us from being killed. Um, you know, if you listen to fear, in, you know, intelligibly um, or, you know, or it doesn't overpower your life, you want it to be that cautious voice, but you don't want it to be that overpowering voice that controls your life. 
And again, as we said, fear comes in all shapes, sizes, and textures and levels. Um, I mean, how many of you have wanted to do something in life, you know, or give, give the example of me at that job. Why didn't I leave? Well, because I was making money uh, that I needed for my family. But yeah, you could have went someplace else and maybe tried to make that money someplace else at less hazardous or less, you know, dangerous. Um, but fear, fear, fear of saying, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, I've been here, you know, 20 something years. I ended up being there 25 years. Um, I've got all this time in. Um, you know, if I go someplace else, I have to start over again at the bottom of the ring and, and you know, of the ladder and, and work my way up. Um, you know, I, I, yes, laziness. I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel like doing it. Um, you know, I was I worked very hard to get where I was. Um, yeah, <laughs> imagine that. But I did. I worked very hard to get where I was. Uh, but now that, you know, I've seen since I moved on from there. Yeah, I'm making a lot a lot less uh, now than I was making then. Um, but I'm safe. I'm safer, um, so to speak. And um, so anyway, again, you know, what, how many of you have been wanting to change careers or uh, go back to school or take some online courses? Uh, but there's just that little nagging feeling that, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, and you get scared. It's like, you know, I don't want to be, I'm old. I don't want to be in a class with younger people. And I mean, you can always take classes online, you know, uh, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y is a great source uh, to do that, to get courses. And not that we're sponsored by them because we're not, but they recently just ran a sale for, you know, you know $20 a class, any of the classes you wanted to take. And that's an amazing deal. You know, considering a lot of these classes are $150 and up. So um, anyway, I digress. Um, you know, there we face all kinds of different fears. But the thing is, again, fear is part and always going to be part of our life. But we should not allow it to control us. Because if we, now what we've learned and realized that we don't need to Fear God. God, the creator, Adonai, Hashem, Allah. Again, whatever you want to label that, which is beyond labels, the universe, Hecate. Um, again, on and on and on. Infinite labels. Um, is, is here for us. And it's angels and our guardians and guides, and ancestors are all here for us. They want us to succeed. They didn't, you know, God didn't put us on this earth to just live in fear. God put us on this earth for two things. Two things, folks, if you want to write this down. Number one is to connect to the creator, connect to the light, and to absorb as much light as you possibly can in your lifetime. And number two, to share that light with as many beings as possible, not just human beings, all living beings, animals, plants, the rock in your garden, to share that light and love with as many people as possible. That's why we're here. That's it. 
those two reasons. The whole love your neighbor. That's it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You connect with the light, love yourself, and then you share that light with as many people as possible. Love your neighbor. It's that simple. Or is it? <laughs> but that's not how we were raised, right? We were raised that you fear everything. You fear your government. You fear your church. You, feel, you fear your parents. You fear your grandparents. You fear the dog. You fear the bugs. Fear the creepy crawlies. Fear the snakes. It's crazy that the, these are the things that we've been conditioned. And don't look at your parents or your grandparents because they were conditioned the same way, if not worse. You know, if they didn't break the cycle before they got to you, <laughs> then they were exposed to it just as much, if not more. But we can break that cycle, break the fear of cycle. I mean, excuse me, break the cycle of fear. There we go. Turn it around. Um, and start living a life that the creator, that the angels, your guardian angels, your guides, your higher self, your ancestors want you to live. They're cheering for you. They're there for you. You just have to ask for their help. You know, why fear anything? You know, we talked about this a little bit in that uh, season five finale, which was episode 20, Faith, Trust, and Surrender. When you have complete trust and faith and you surrender, not surrender waving a white flag, meaning I give up, meaning I now understand that the creator is everything, literally everything. If the creator is everything, then there is nothing, absolutely nothing to fear. Even if I have a person standing in front of me with a gun pointed at me, which I've had done before, there is nothing for me to fear. Yes, I need to do what I can to um, survive this situation and help others survive the situation. But what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, Haven always has this saying of, um, Plan for the worst, hope for the best. It's very similar. What's the worst thing that can happen? This person could shoot me, which I'm not planning on it happening. I'm not giving up and saying, go ahead and kill me. I'm just saying, if this person does shoot me, what's going to happen? The creator's got me. And if it's not my time to pass, if it's not time for my spirit or soul or nefesh or whatever you want to label it to move on, then it won't. It won't. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to jump off this mountain. <laughs> hey, Jesus, Satan said to Jesus, here, we're up on this mountain. If you're the son of God, jump off this mountain. His angels will surely stop you before you hit the ground. And... What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you don't test God like that. And I say the same thing. We're, we're not, I'm not saying to test the divine by saying I'm going to jump off this building. And if the creator wants me to live, then I'll live. If not, then I won't know. What I'm saying is, is try to help appease everyone's fear, to stop that fear 
um, it's okay for it to be cautious. You know, that, that's that voice of caution. Oh, you better be careful. You know, be leery of this. Be careful with that. But don't just be drop dead scared and frightened of, of, of anything because the creator has you. The creator has you, your guardians, your guides, your ancestors, the angels. They've all got you. You would be just blown away if you would realize for just a moment, just a moment, a tenth of the supernatural energy and power and the divine that is with you always, always. Okay, here's a fun fact. Here's a fun fact that might, I pray, um, if you all don't already know, uh, that might help uh, with this uh, to understand about the, you know, angels and guardians and guides and, you know, the creator. And so, again, reverting back to the story, Little Soul in the Sun, done a show on that. Father Mike Cantor's done a show on that. Um, check it out if you don't already know it. Um, so anyway, when our souls decide to take birth into this or to come down into this life, to be born, a guardian angel, now depending on your faith, your religion, different religions have different takes. They all believe in guardian angels. Some believe that you only have one guardian angel, while other faiths believe you have multiple guardian angels. Okay, So they're all in agreement that you have at least one. Okay, So now that we're all on that page, okay, we've all got at least one guardian angel. That guardian angel is assigned to us before we descend into this lifetime, before we take birth. That guardian angel escorts your soul and spirit down into your mother's womb and puts your soul into the baby that's there. Now, we're not going to get into when does this happen and blah, 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 blah. That's political mumbo jumbo. You believe whatever you want to believe. Uh, we're not going to go there with that because people use it for various ulterior motives, which we're not getting into here. So when the guardian angel does it, it stays with you from the time it brings you from the heavens or whatever you believe is the higher realms or dimensions. It escorts your spirit or soul or nefesh or whatever you want to call it, your light to your mother, to her womb, to that baby, and then <laughs> that angel puts its finger above your lip, in the middle between your nose and your lip. It's called a uh, fulcrum. That's the medical term for it. It touches you there, and you forget. You forget your spirit. You forget what you are, where you came from, all the things that you've done and experienced in the past. Why? Because you are here to experience and learn and grow and evolve in other ways. Now, when we pass, when our spirit leaves this life, guess what? Your guardian angel escorts your spirit or soul back to the creator, the divine, to the higher realms. Again, whatever your faith prescribes to or subscribes to when you believe. 
But that guardian angel is with you all the time. And that guardian angel's sole, literally, sole assignment is to do everything to help you, to do everything to protect you. Now, again, it's not saying test it by jumping off a building and saying, my guardian angel will save my life. Hey, that's what Satan's tried to do with Jesus. We're not doing that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Again, the disclaimer, go back. <laughs> but I pray you feel where I'm coming from on this. We have at least one guardian angel assigned to us, with us, always, always. You can call upon them, talk with them, involve them in your, let them into your life. Instead of them being a spectator and screaming from the sidelines to try to help you and us blatantly not listening and ignoring them, hey, I'm raising my hand. I did it for a long time. I was never one of those ones that could hear spirit or feel spirit or, you know, I was very envious of other people that could do it. My wife, Haven, is amazing, as is our son. They're both very intuitive. They're both very empathic. They, they are feelers. They really can feel a lot. And I'm working. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm so much further down the pike than I used to be. Hey, I'm doing healings now. So what does, that, what does that say? And you hear me rambling. Most of the time, it's spirit that's rambling through me. And as Father Mike said, when spirit comes in, you just get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. And that's what I end up doing, which is why I just end up rambling so much, um, trying to get that message out, more so get that feeling out. But I pray you all understand um, and more so feel where I'm coming from. If you develop and work on your relationship with the divine, with the creator, with Jesus, with Mary, with Allah, uh, with Muhammad, with Buddha, with whomever, Krishna, whomever, the saints, angels, guard, your guardian angel, work on the relationship you feel most connected to. If you are a, 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 a hardcore Jesus person, uh, then turn to Jesus. Ask Jesus. Work with Jesus. Jesus is your buddy. You ever seen Buddy Jesus? I love Buddy Jesus. He's always got a smile on his face and a thumbs up. Have Jesus as your buddy going through life. But see, we've been programmed, conditioned, and raised. You don't do that. You don't bother Jesus. You don't definitely don't bother God because you have to fear God. And then that trickles down to fearing Jesus and, and fearing everything. You know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, confession because I'm afraid. Well, number one, well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. People believe in going to confession. That is totally 100% your right and privilege to do so. Um, don't let it, don't fear absolving or if you feel that you need to be absolved from sins, um, don't let fear stop you from doing that. Um, but it's just, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And again, like I was saying, fear comes in all shapes, sizes, and, and flavors. You know, even the small fear of like job. You know, I don't want to risk losing what I've got to go someplace else that's worse. But did we ever stop to think that fear is from the darkness? And the darkness through fear is keeping us from doing what our 
goals and objectives are. It's keeping us away from the light because when you're afraid, you're definitely not connected with the light. You're definitely not close with the creator. You're not close with your guardian angel, your guides, angels, higher self, you know, Jesus, Mary, Allah, um, et cetera, and so on. If anything, that's when you feel the most away and separated from them, which is right up the alley for the darkness. The darkness wants you to feel disconnected, which is impossible. You can never be disconnected because what do you think is keeping, as we talked about so much on the show, what do you think is keeping you going? Your breath, you know, the, the holy sacred breath from the creator breathed into you. You know, when you're born, you take that breath, the beating of your heart, what is doing that? That's, that's light and essence from the creator. We've talked about this, so I'm not going to continue on. But you, you feel where I'm coming from. If we allow fear to rule us, we're actually allowing darkness to rule us. We're allowing darkness to control us, and that's not living in the light. There's a story that I really like um, that this great teacher and his students were traveling from town to town, as most uh, teachers and students did back in the old days, like we're talking about 1600s, 1700s. So they, um, they get to this farmhouse and the teacher says, we're going to this farmhouse. And the, kid, the, you know, the students were like, okay, great. So they go up and they knock on the door and the farmer recognized who this great teacher was or is and invites him in. Oh, you know, please, please come in, have your, have a seat. Are you, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? And the teacher replies, yes, my students and I are thirsty and hungry. We've traveled a long way. And so, um, you know, the guy goes and his wife and, 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 and they get bread and they bring it out to the table and have them sit at the dining room table and, and they're feeding them and they're giving them uh, water. And, um, you know, the, so the teacher's like, uh, did you have anything else? You got any wine? He's like, uh, we, we have a little, a little wine. He said, okay, I'll take it. So he brings out the wine and he, you know, they consume the wine. And he's like, uh, you have any more food? And at this point, the students are now looking at the teacher like, this is a poor farming family. Um, we shouldn't be eating all their food and consuming all their drink. But they didn't say anything because they knew better, because they knew the teacher knew what he was doing more than anybody knew what they were doing. So the teacher was like, have any more food? He's like, oh, well, we have some, some of this and some of that, but it's all we have. And he's like, okay, I'll take it. So then the teacher eats all that up. And the teacher's like, man, I'm still hungry. Do you have anything else? And the husband and wife look at the teacher and like, um, can you give us a moment? And they huddled together separately. And they're like, well, we, away from the teacher, and the wife was like, well, what do we want to do? We don't have anything else. And the man was like, uh, well, we've got the cow that we use for our milk. And she was like, if we give, if we kill the cow and, and give him the cow, then we will have absolutely nothing. And the guy was like, but this is a really huge holy man. Um, I don't want to tell him no. If he's asking, then he knows something we don't know. So they do. They go, they kill the cow, they prepare it, they give it 
you know, serve it to the teacher. He eats everything. And then he thanks them and he leaves. Fast forward three years later, the teacher and his students are in this small little city in this uh, beautiful, beautiful, huge carriage drawn with beautiful horses with uh, servants, you know, at the helm of the carriage come up along the road and they hear somebody inside the carriage saying, stop, 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 stop the carriage. They stop and then they start calling out to the teacher. And they said, teacher, teacher. And he's like, yes. And they said, do you know who we are? Do you remember us? And he says, I absolutely remember who you are. Hello again. It was the farmer and his wife. And they thanked him. They said, if you would not have done what you did, it wouldn't have prompted us to leave our home and try to find another type of business, another way of life, another way of providing for us and our family. Now we, thanks to you doing what you did and prompting us to do what we did, we're extremely wealthy and we give tithes to to other people and we help the homeless and the poor and and here's some money for you and your students so you see i know i was gasping too when i was like why is he eating a cow number one i'm i'm a vegetarian most of the time vegan but vegetarian um so i, I don't don't touch meat don't hate on me. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my gosh, don't eat their cow. They won't have anything. But, hey, they saw what we didn't see. They felt what we didn't feel. And that's the thing is with fear is it grips us and it keeps us and it prevents us from doing things and from really living our life. Now, I'm not saying go jump out of an airplane. But if it's something you've always wanted to do that's on your bucket list, get with the appropriate professionals so it can be done safely and do it. Do it. If you have the means, do it. You know, live your life. Get as much. Remember the two things to get as much, receive as much light as possible. And that's by being as close to the creator as possible. And all of the creator's retinue, which is the angels, the saints, the guardians, the guides, the, you know, everything, you know, be as close to the light as you can receive as much light as possible. And everyone, number two, share that light with as many living beings and other beings as well. There's so many beings around us. Remember, we only understand and see and perceive anywhere from 95, or 95 excuse me, one to 5% of what uh, is actually around us. So that's a whole huge reality of beings that are around you constantly, energies that are around you constantly that um, are there for to help you and to receive help by you. You know, that's why it's always good to offer your prayers to all 
beings. You know, Buddhists are big on this and Hindus as well, is that they believe in what they call hungry ghosts and hungry ghosts are uh, souls that are like in between. Um, they didn't have enough uh, light to get to the higher realms uh, to, to get to heaven. And so they wonder about the earth and, um, you know, they, they grovel for food. They're always so hungry. But when you give them something to eat, um, like you leave an offering of bread or something, when they go to consume that, it's like razor blades, like us trying to eat and swallow razor blades. And then once it gets to their stomach, it turns into like a fire that burns them so bad. I know it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy, but there's these beings that if we offer our prayers to, that nourishes them, that nourishes all the beings. That light nourishes all beings, all things. You know, look at the molecules and the atoms that are in a rock. There's living things in a rock. There's things in soil. Remember, the creator created everything, literally everything, everything, and sustains everything. So the essence of the creator is literally in everything and is everything. Offer light. Connect with the light. Connect with, with the divine often. If you would like to learn, yeah, you know it's coming. If you would like help with creating, with creating, connecting to the creator, connecting to that light, the Oblates of Perpetual Light is par excellence. It's one of the best ways to do it. I'm going to run the infomercial here for you. Don't click off of it. Have a listen because I would love, absolutely love for you to be a member of the Oblates of Perpetual Light. The Oblates of Perpetual Light is the first of its kind. We are the very first group of Oblates to fully utilize the internet to organize and communicate. This allows everyone and anyone to join from all over the world. The Oblates of Perpetual Light are inclusive, meaning everyone is welcome regardless of their beliefs, faith, identification, gender, sexual preference, etc. We are independent, meaning that we are not affiliated with any church other than being connected with the Faith and More Ministries, and we are trans-denominational. We are not affiliated with any one religion. We greatly respect the beliefs and freedoms of others. We are all children of the universe. Only four things are required of any obligated perpetual light. The first, study and contemplate some sacred texts of your faith at least once a day. It's up to you how much you study and contemplate. It can be as little as a sentence or as much as you wish. You choose when, where, and how long. Number two is prayer. Prayer is key in the heart of the Oblate's perpetual light. It is imperative that an Oblate pray sometime during the day or night. Again, this is up to you to choose when, where, and for how long. The Oblates will gather together online, typically Zoom, at least once a month. There is also a Facebook group where Oblates can meet and commune more often if they choose. There are Oblates who are very social and there are Oblates who are very private. All are respected. If you are more private and or ascetic, you will need to keep in contact with the director of Oblates, moi, privately. Number four love and respect all members regardless of their faith we are here as a group not just as individuals everyone's faith beliefs views etc will be respected 
bullying, hate, attacks, and etc. will not be tolerated. If this all sounds kosher and great to you, and you would like to become a member of the Oblates Perpetual Light, please contact me, our director, at oblates.pl at gmail.com. Again, that's oblates, O-B-L-A-T-E-S dot P-L at gmail.com. I hope to see you as an oblate very soon. So Spirit's starting to step away now, so I think that we've covered what Spirit wanted covered, and it's a good time to uh, try to wrap things up here and let you folks get on with your day. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. I cannot thank you all enough. We've all sadly uh, endured, have endured traumas and PTSD of varying degrees, and it's important. It's very important that we get help. Um, seek out professionals uh, that can help you with that. If you need help, I'm more than happy to help you. Uh, Father Mike Cantor is also a trauma uh, coach who helps people through their traumas. Uh, we are here for you. I'll make sure his contact information uh, and website is in the show description. Don't hesitate to reach out to him. He loves to do this. Uh, he lives to do this. So um, you're making him happy as long as well as making yourself <laughs> feel better and get better. And that's the important thing is to work through our traumas, to learn how to address them. Yes, it's easy enough just to say, uh, you know, I'll pray more or get closer to the creator. But it's another thing to actually do it. You know, knowledge is one thing, but living that, putting that knowledge into practice and living it is completely different. And that's what we've got to do. That's the important thing, because knowledge is nothing absolutely nothing if it's not put into practice. So, you know, what we've learned today, let's try our level best to, to put it into practice little by little. Be persistent, be diligent, be disciplined in little bits at a time, little bits at a time. It can happen. Get through the hardships, see things, experience things from a completely different uh, viewpoint. Uh, instead of seeing the world through fear, and pessimism, you know, try to see it from the, from a divine point of view, from the light, from being to being optimistic. You know, um, again, it's not saying throw caution to the wind. Listen to the caution when it's when your gut's telling you something. Listen to it, but don't let it um, rule your life to where it cripples you or causes you to have more trauma than you've already suffered in your lifetime. Uh, again, important. Get the help. Heal from the trauma. Move on with your life because, as I've talked about in this show, and in almost every show that we have, is that our lives are vastly meant to be so, so much more than, than what they currently are and what they have been. And, you know, the Creator wants so much for us. The Creator wants everything for us. Literally, the Creator wants you to have everything. And we can receive everything, we just have to be open. To it, we have to have that relationship with the Creator, and as in its retinue, you know, its um, angels and guardians and guides and saints, and um, you know, on and on and on. You know, all of those higher beings are here for us. We just have to reach out to them. They're around you, in you, constantly, constantly. If you close your eyes and you take a couple and take three slow, deep breaths in, hold it for two seconds and exhale and just sit quietly with your eyes closed or lay down quietly with your eyes closed 
and just open your heart up to feeling them, you'll feel them. They're there. They want to be heard. They are, like I said, literally yelling from the sidelines at us. We just don't hear them. Could you imagine that? Have you ever been, you know, trying to get someone's attention? Maybe in a dream or a nightmare, you're pounding on a door and you're yelling and screaming at somebody that's on the other side and they don't see you. They don't hear you. What does that feel like? Talk about fear. Your guardian angel who's in charge of taking care of you and helping you through this life. If we've shut them out and we don't realize they're there and we're not allowing them to help us, we're doing that same thing to them. You know, we're causing actually, you know, inadvertently um, causing harm to them. And that's, you know, we, none of us, none of us need that. The, the, the world has enough of that going on. Uh, we need to be the ones, we need to be the lighthouses. We need to be the ones to shine the light. Um, as <laughs> Elton John says, shine the light, shine the light. Philadelphia freedom, <laughs> shine the light. Shine that light. Connect with the light and be enveloped by the light, and then share that light with everyone. Remember, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Simple as that, folks. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> hey, no worries, no fears. We'll have so many more shows on this and so much more. This isn't it. It's never a one and done. Those of you who are longtime listeners know that. Anyway, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. I so hope and pray you all have enjoyed the show. Don't turn off this podcast yet. We've got uh, prayer requests coming up and updates as well as our closing blessing. So stay tuned for that. This week's prayer requests and updates are as follows. Aaron Marie, Haven, Clint, and Wyatt, Bill and Joanne. And just an update on Bill. He goes November 1st for his surgery to remove the tumor. Uh, behind his left ear, they have to actually go through the skull. So please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Also, please pray, pray for Emily, Jonathan, and their family, Kayla, Terry, Denise, Stephanie, Katie, Sarah, Kia, Elaine, and Bob, Clyde, Lisa, and her family, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Bishop Beckley and his family, Brother Abel, Mike S., Kelly and their family, Michael, Shelley and their family, Tanya and her family, Cheryl, Father Mike, Eddie and Eddie's mother Becky, Emma, Jean, Kathy, Tony and their family, Michael T., Kyra and her family, Jan, James, and Linda, Jill and family, Kimberly, Alicia, and Brendan. And Alicia and Brendan are new. Um, they are going to begin IVF uh, very shortly as soon as they can get the funds raised for that um, because they are unable to have children um, naturally. So they're going to try IVF. So please keep them in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. And if you are in need of prayers, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is coming up here in just a moment at the end of the show, and it's at the end of every show. And now our closing prayer and blessing. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, great creator, drive away from us all forms of fear, sickness, and disease. Restore strength and healing to our body and joy to our spirit 
so that in our renewed health, we may bless and serve you now and forever. Also, may we go forth this week helping as many people as we can by sharing and spreading love and light, compassion, understanding, and forgiveness. Again, helping as many people as we possibly can, as many beings as we possibly can. Amen. I so hope and pray you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for and more here with us. Stop by anytime, all the time. You are family. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with as many people as possible. Subscribe, rate, and review. And if you really enjoyed the show, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show and the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Faith and More podcast. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our Faith and More family love to pray as well. So let us pray for you. You can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. I am also offering healing sessions now that involve angelic, intuitive, and quantum healing. This is done via phone or Zoom. Due to the scope, energy, and time involved in this type of healing, there is a minimum donation required. Please contact me for more information at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please don't forget about our YouTube channel. There's lots of great videos there, and it gives you more of an immersive experience. Just go to youtube.com slash at faithandmorepodcast. So until next time, have a most blessed week, and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.